In the name of Jesus. Please be seated. Today in our text appointed, we hear, well, we hear of three miracles and perhaps even three pivotal main figures who take center stage in this beautiful drama. First and foremost, we hear about Naaman from our Old Testament lesson. Naaman is a man's man. The women love him and his soldiers adore him. He is a strong man, a man who speaks a word and they jump and they say, how high? And not only that, but he's in good graces with his boss, the king of Syria, Naaman, his right hand, Naaman who takes care of all the work that needs to be done, Naaman who is unstoppable. Except that Naaman was a sinner, just like you. He got colds and he got sick. Specifically, leprosy. Leprosy, a horrible disease, which for most people back in that time would mean a complete separation from family and society. But Naaman, he's kind of like a white-collar criminal. He gets to go off to the posh country club, doesn't have to be stuck in the leper's colony. Instead, his king is rallying for him to try and figure out a way to keep him around. He's that important. Have somebody like that in your life, your marriage, your family, your workplace, your church. So the king of Syria, who oftentimes, keep in mind, has had raids into the kingdom of Israel, and during one of the raids, ironically, this big, bold, brash, strong King Naaman captured a little girl. A little tiny girl. She became one of the servants, one of the slaves in his house. It's funny as you read the text for today, and the more I kind of think about it, even from the sermon earlier, is wow, they had politics back then too. Both sides of the aisle couldn't agree on things. How do we know that? Well, Naaman's boss. The king of Syria decides to write a letter to the king of Israel. And not only does he write him a letter, he sends a whole bunch of money his way. Why? Well, in the kingdom of Israel, there was a prophet. His name was Elisha. A prophet's job throughout all the Old Testament was simply to speak that which God had told him. And so there he was, Elisha. Elisha, over whom the mantle of Elijah had been cast. The vivivoxe, the very living, breathing voice of God, and I would submit to you, of Christ, was there in that place. Leprosy? Modern science back then couldn't heal it, couldn't take care of it, but perhaps the Word of God could Perhaps the Word of God can do the unthinkable, the unimaginable, the otherworldly. So long story short, the king of Syria sends all the king's horses and all the king's men that couldn't put Naaman back together again. And they send all of them to 
the king of Israel. And the king of Israel, well, he gets upset. What does he expect me to do? See, he's picking a fight with me. <laughs> rah, 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 both sides of the aisle, right? Back and forth, round and round it goes. Until Elisha speaks up, the word of God in that place. Why have you torn your clothes, O king? Why are you in a tither? Let this man, Naaman, who has leprosy, come here to me, that he may know that there is a word from the Lord to be spoken, that he may know that there is a prophet. Now perhaps I've gone too far or too quickly for you, because you might ask, how is it that the king of Syria and even big, bold Naaman knew about the word of God? Well, it was the little girl. The little girl who had been taken captive. The little girl who with very simple faith, I would submit to you, is probably a bigger player in this drama than any of the rest. Earlier today, we heard such simple faith. Huh. Our children who stood up here and sang to you, you get to hear them once a month or so. I'm privileged to hear them two, three, or four times a week, to hear them walk up and down the hallways here of our building as they sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. Oh, you guys know it, don't you? For the Bible tells me so. We sing all sorts of songs, or should I say they share their faith with me and the teachers. We sing and talk about how my God is so great, my God is so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. And let me tell you, these little ones, I think perhaps they believe it even better than you and me, adults. Because that's what faith is all about. It's so simple. If Jesus says so, it is. If God promises, it will be. But we get older, and I'm not sure we necessarily get smarter in terms of faith. After all, we learn about all the ands and ifs and buts. And not only that, all of the responsibility begins to descend upon our shoulders. We have all those under us to take care of. Where in the world does God fit into the picture of my life? Where, oh where, can he be? The little girl tells mighty Naaman that there is a word of the Lord that can heal him. His king believes this little girl, and so they go. For Elisha, it's all about the word of God. And so Elisha simply sends a message, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your leprosy will be healed. So simple, but so difficult. How is that possible? What's so special about the water there in the Jordan? Are not these other rivers in my hometown better than this? I know they're cleaner. But it's not about all of that stuff, is it? It's about simple faith and trust in the Word. 
Naaman once again is confronted by one of his servants. It's a simple thing, O Lord. Just do as the prophet has said. Did he not say, wash and you will be clean? How about you? Do you believe? The words back then have been fulfilled now in the words of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who commanded such a simple thing as baptism for you. Words passed down by the power of Holy Spirit who says, be baptized. Words that say, baptism now saves you. And you say, wait a minute. Baptism saves me? No, 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 no. I saved me. I'm the one who drug my butt out of bed to go to church. I'm the one who writes the offering. I'm the one who... Oh, yeah. We fall into the same trap, don't we? Christianity is so simple. It really is. It's all about simple faith and trust that God does what He says. And so a true Christian would want to hear God's Word and simply do it. This Naaman guy, long story short, he finally repents, he finally humbles himself, and he simply does what he's been told to do, and his flesh is restored like that of a little child. Of all of his high-mindedness and wisdom and sophistry, he is taken down to the most basic level of simple faith, and he is healed. To show you, to prove to you, that this healing that took place for Naaman back in the Old Testament was done by none other than Jesus, your Lord and Savior, the Son of God, the Word who has been given all power and authority by God, we have Matthew's Gospel from chapter 8. We're very simply, right at the beginning, Jesus is greeted by a leper. Same disease. The leper, we're not sure exactly where he's at, but he obviously has a simple faith. Because he says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. We don't know anything about this leper. We don't know what his job was before. We don't know if he had a family. We don't know if he had a children. We don't know if he was wealthy or poor. We, we don't know. We just know that he had leprosy. And he comes to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, I need help. And if you will, Jesus, if you're not too busy, you can heal me. And Matthew records, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, ha, 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 you betcha. I will be clean. Just like that. Does your baptism save you? Yes. Does it clothe you with the righteousness of the one true God in the person work of Jesus Christ, your Savior, who has redeemed you not with gold or silver or all the king's horses and all the king's men, but rather with his holy precious blood and his innocent suffering and death? Yes. Does your baptism mean that you now belong to him, that you can be his own, that you live under him in his kingdom, 
that he will watch over you, that if you're a parent with little children, that he will also watch over them, that he will bring about good in the midst of even evil that may come your way, even death, even leprosy? Yes. Simple faith clings and trusts in this word. And to cement these simple truths presented for us here today, we get the gift of the third person of our drama today, the mighty centurion. Juxtaposed against Naaman, the commander of the Syrian army, here is a Roman centurion. You might say the enemy of God's people. They are the invaders, after all, of God's land, but I suppose that's what the Syrians did too. But regardless, the centurion, he's been around. Well, but interestingly enough, he's not concerned about himself. It's not his own so-called leprosy or worries. Oh, no. Because the result of having such a simple faith means that it now will not be turned inward, but rather outward. That the results of being a Christian means not living for yourself, but living for others. Those perhaps God has given to you, be they little children, or as my dad often reminds me, big children. That perhaps those that are under you in your classroom, your office, or your church. This Roman centurion comes to Jesus and he begs and pleads with him. He cries out to him as, as we do every Sunday in the Kyrie when we pray, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy. Lord, he says, my servant, my slave. My servant is, is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. Immediately you learn that there's something different about this centurion from Naaman. Because he's concerned not about himself, but for someone else. For someone under his own command. Jesus responds immediately, which he always does. But we're told from 1 Corinthians 4 where the Holy Spirit tells Apostle Paul to tell the church at Corinth that the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. Meaning you can talk all you want about these things, but ultimately the rubber's got to hit the road somewhere. And with Jesus it hits the road first. And he who came and walked in your shoes and mine is a human. Two, in He who shows forth His power, His divine power, and all these miracles that we read about. Three, in He who still comes today in a powerful way, a simple way, to you in baptism. For you, in simple bread and wine that at His command is also His body and blood. That you may know that you are forgiven that you may know that you are His own, that you may be strengthened and nourished for whatever journey you are on and that which awaits you. But oh, how tough it is to wait. The doubts, the fears, the worry. But Scripture encourages us, Psalm 27, if I ever come visit you in the hospital or the home, I'm not going to apologize. I'll probably use this book and chapter. It's a good one. 
Psalm 27 ends this way, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. But waiting for us as those with simple faith means this, and it's spelled out best from Psalm 130. I wait for the Lord. My my very soul waits. My being waits. But in His Word, I hope. Simple faith trusts in His Word. Which is why it's so good that we have a school here for preschool and kindergarten and the younger ones. Thank you, parents, who may bring your children to that. What a joy to teach them those words, to put them in their mouth. Because in His Word now, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord. And while the vision still awaits its appointed time, the prophet Habakkuk writes, while it hastens to the end, yet there is no lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It'll surely come. It will not delay. All of this means that God's Word will always come to fruition for you. That God will bring about good in the midst of every evil situation. Just as He raised His Son, your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, from death itself, raised Him and seated Him at His right hand, that He may be your Lord, that you may cling to and follow His simple word. The centurion, well, he claims just this. Jesus says, I will come and heal him. But the centurion, well, he's he's got even more faith. He says, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. Wow. Jesus just offered to come to your house and you're now refusing him? The centurion knows his place. Which is probably a good place for you and me to start. Lord, I'm not worthy. Forget the fact that I haven't cleaned, I haven't dusted, and I've still got boxes unpacked in the corner. Oh no, Lord. I'm a sinner. I know the chain of command, the centurion says. And you're the big kahuna. You're the whole enchilada. You're the can of worms, but me? I'm just one of the many worms wiggling around because of my sin. The centurion doesn't plead before Jesus like Naaman because he's got friends in high places. Oh no, the centurion takes more of a Garth Brooks approach friends in low places. You just say the word, Jesus. You don't need to come to my house. You say the word, and it'll be done. Because I know what that's like, Jesus. I say to this man and that man, and they do that, and they do this. And Jesus then replies with something that you need to remember. Of all the things you've heard me preach to you today about, remember this. Jesus looks at the simple faith now of this centurion and he says this, Truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. Simple faith. Faith which justifies you before the Heavenly Father. Faith which reminds you of all that is is yet to come. Jesus warns about those who would reject such simple faith. 
try and explain things away by their knowledge or by their deeds, that they could earn this or do that. He warns about the weeping and gnashing of teeth which will come to those who reject him. But for you who believe, you who have received that word, Jesus says to the centurion, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. You this day stand in the presence of the Most High God, of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who comes through His Word and sacraments. And you and I humble ourselves. We stand before Him saying, Lord, we're not worthy to have you come into our life, but Jesus says, here I am. I've come for you, to forgive you, to nourish you, to teach these little ones about me, that you may live in such simple faith in me, in Christ Jesus, your Lord, that you may have boldness and access with confidence through your faith in me. God grant us such faith as that of a little child, as that of the centurion. May we yet see them in the life to come. Until then, God grant us all good things for the sake of Christ our Lord. In the name of Jesus. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.